Hello, and welcome to the Candy Gibbs Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about upcoming events, this podcast, and for other resources, visit candygibbs.com. Number seven. This is called Sukkot or Tabernacles. It is the seventh feast. Tabernacles, number seven. Interesting facts. It is the feast most often mentioned in scripture. It is the most joyous of all the feasts. The word tabernacle means booth or hut. The Israelites are required to live in tabernacles or temporary dwellings during this holiday. And it was a reminder of God's provision during their time in the wilderness. This feast is also known as the Feast of Ingathering because it takes place after all the crops have been harvested. It has a twofold meaning, recognizing both God's past provision and his current provision. Tabernacles is five days after the Day of Atonement. So we have Tishri 1, 10, and then Tishri 15. It is one of the three pilgrim feasts. So remember, unleavened bread is a pilgrim feast. Pentecost is a pilgrim feast. Tabernacles is a pilgrim feast. So they go to Jerusalem with these huts or booths. Um, because of the great joy associated, it is often simply called the holiday. During Sukkot, the people often pray for rain because the feast occurs at the beginning of their rainy season. During tabernacles, the people are to live in booths and rejoice before the Lord, offer daily sacrifices, and in the sabbatical year, which is every seven years, they read the law publicly. What a wonderful time it must have been, and if you can imagine they prepare. It's exciting. They enjoy doing this. It's celebratory and joyful. They're calling it the holiday. And all of your friends and all of your relatives, you take your booth or your tent, hut, whatever, and they put them out all over this huge area of land outside of the temple. And can you imagine what a peaceful sight that would have been at night to look out around at all the lights around and You're just able to run around tent to tent um, and have communion and celebrate with your friends. One of the things which has fascinated me all through our study is how common the Bible stories that we know are and that they are often associated with the feasts. I want to read you 2 Chronicles 7 and I'm going to read 1 through 10. As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple, and the priests could not enter the house of the Lord, because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifice before the Lord. King Solomon offered as a sacrifice 22,000 oxen 
and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. The priests stood at their posts, the Levites also, with the instruments for the music to the Lord that King David had made for giving thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. Whenever David offered praises by their ministry opposite them, the priests sounded trumpets, and all Israel stood. And Solomon consecrated the middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord, and there he offered the burnt offering and fat of the peace offerings, because the bronze altar Solomon had made could not hold the burnt offering and the grain offering and the fat. At that time, Solomon held the feast for seven days, and all Israel with him, a very great assembly. And on the eighth day, they held a solemn assembly, for they had kept the dedication of the altar seven days and the feast seven days. On the 23rd day of the seventh month, he sent the people away to their homes, joyful and glad of heart for the prosperity that the Lord had granted to David and to Solomon and to Israel, his people. So King Solomon dedicated the temple during a feast of tabernacles. And when he did, the glory of the Lord filled the temple so much so that they couldn't go in. And now you are the temple. You are the temple. And I am asking that the Lord would fill us again with his glory in us as the temple of God. The observance of this feast would have been a tremendous amount of fun. They would focus on setting up their booths about half a mile from the temple. At sundown, they would blast a shofar. Water was a big part of this feast, and daily the priests would draw water from the pool of Salome and pour it into a silver basin near the altar. After this, he would pour a drink offering of wine. The people would wave palm branches and recite Psalm 118.25. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. This would be the same thing that they recited at Palm Sunday, when Jesus was coming in, Hosanna, save now. The temple light ceremony was something to behold. At night, four lampstands were placed in the courtyard, and then a group of Levites would descend the 15 steps to the court of women where they would read psalms, and there was great joy in this celebration. So it was a light ceremony. Um, you In John 18, I mean, John 8, verse 12, Jesus said this. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He said that. I mean, you read things like that, or I have in the past. I read that. And then the next verse will say, this made the Pharisees so mad they wanted to kill him. And I'm like, why? I mean, I can see you thinking he's nuts, but. Why does him saying I'm the light make you want to kill him? It's because he said it during this light ceremony. So they're doing this huge light production, you know, do this, do that, light it, blow it out, carry it over here. And Jesus stands up and he goes, hey, I am the light of the world. That makes a whole lot more sense to know why that incensed the Pharisees so much. On the final day of the Feast of Tabernacles, the focus was on water and rain. The people believed that on this day, God decided whether or not to water their crops for the upcoming year. So they had a really prolonged water ceremony. 
Well, this is when Jesus said, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So he, in the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles, stands up and says, while you're doing this light ceremony, I'm the light. And then when they're doing their water ceremony, he says, I am the living water. And if you will believe in me, rivers of living water will flow from you. That is amazing. And that this feast symbolizes God with us. When we look back, we see that the Feast of Passover, Jesus is the innocent lamb which was slain so that the judgment of God could pass over us. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, all of our sin was removed. And Jesus, who was perfect in every way, experienced no decay. In the Feast of First Fruits, he was the first fruit of a great harvest of believers. The Feast of Weeks or Pentecost, he gave us his Holy Spirit to give us power and be our counselor. And that was our bride gift. In the Feast of Trumpets, those who have believed in Jesus as Messiah will be caught up with him in the rapture of the church. During Yom Kippur, we're reminded of the justice of God, that there is a blood requirement in order for sin to be forgiven. Jesus did away with sin. He is the once for all sacrifice. And in the Feast of Tabernacles, we are united with God. He tabernacles with his people. And what a joyous occasion it is. This also is representative of the thousand-year reign when we will be back on earth and Jesus will govern and God will live and tabernacle with his people on earth. I want to read you one more scripture. This is Matthew 9, 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his fields. I want you to, there is so many things that we can gain from this. Our spring feasts have been fulfilled on time, on these dates, in real life with Jesus. Our fall feasts are yet to be, but we're waiting for the fulfillment The spring feasts symbolize 
your salvation and equipping to be laborers to go into the harvest. And then this is, we're, we're out of here because we are escaping the wrath and judgment of Christ. But I want you to notice something. We are in the grain heart. We were the grain harvest, if you know Christ. We are now in the summer harvest. You're the workers that are supposed to go out into the field. This is called the ingathering. We have the first harvest, which is the grain. We have the summer harvest, which is what we're a part of. And we're, we're to be sharing the, the gospel of Christ. And then at Tabernacles, after we have experienced the rapture, after the tribulation, it's the final end gathering when all the crops are in. And everyone is on the ark that's getting on the ark. This is an incredible picture of Jesus and God and his desire to have a relationship with you. Because it all started in a garden with Adam and Eve, where it was perfect. There was no sin. There was no decay. There was no need for salvation or escaping of judgment. And God simply wanted to walk in the cool of the day and have relationship with us. And then sin entered and because he was unwilling to remain separated from us, he provided this beautiful plan to forgive us, to purchase us as his bride, to give us health and forgiveness, and to clothe us, clothe us in a robe of righteousness and provide us peace and power to go into the fields and bring other people in. And then he takes us home to marry you and to become intimate with you. And then you get to come back and we're right back in the garden and he will tabernacle with us and walk among us and continue relationship with you. It's an incredible, beautiful, artistic depiction of Jesus and what he means to us. It is a mathematical precise description of the way that the Lord thinks and provides for us in every possible way. God is speaking to us. I'm here. And if you are a believer, this should create excitement and we should be wanting to be a part of what he is doing. If we know people who don't know Christ, the times we're living in are a warning that we can hear the friend of the bridegroom and he's coming and it might not be this September, but it might be. And boy, when he comes back, I want him to find me working. What a blessing to me that so many of you would take the time to participate in this study. And I'm just going to say a prayer for us. And then if you guys have any questions or any comments that you want to make, uh, we'll take a few minutes to do that. But I just want to say thank you because uh, this is just so encouraging to me. 
So God, we do thank you for the price that you paid for us. We thank you for what it means, God. Thank you for allowing us to be alive for such a time as this. God, just continue to strengthen us and grow us. We don't want to drink milk. God, we want to eat meat. So help us, Lord, to understand what your word is saying to us. Give us wisdom and make us smarter than we are, God. But help us to be about your business and help us to leave a mark. Thank you, Lord, that your scepter is extended to us. And we come boldly before your throne of grace, Lord. And we ask that you would allow us to be active participants in these last days, however many days we have left. And we celebrate you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Candy Gibbs Podcast. For more information and other resources, visit candygibbs.com.